guess let's uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's uh, that time of the year, isn't it? It's that time of year to talk horror movies and stuff like that of horror. It yeah. Is. So uh, welcome again to the Cinema Discovery Project. We are just traveling through the world of cinema. I just, this is what episode four. Wow. Um, it's been an adventure, hasn't it been so far, uh, Andrew? How you doing? It has. It has been quite an adventure. Um, so far, we have. Uh, going through uh, a couple of interesting episodes, and now we're really uh, diving into something that is very appropriate for this time of year. And this is kind of our overview of the horror movie genre, a very multifaceted and long-lasting genre of films. Yeah, th- there's and so many subgenres it- of horror that, I mean, obviously we can't cover them all uh, necessarily no. in, in some really, you know, you know, focused thing it would take forever but as we say in every episode this would take forever um but we're going to try our best to kind of give you the highlights of horror throughout the years and kind of give uh the, yes. the biggest influencers through the years on, uh, of the horror genre and i think I, as andrew said before the pod, I'm, I'm excited because there's a lot of lot of uh cool movies to talk about uh, and cool filmmakers to talk about um that um that are really some of my favorite filmmakers and some of my favorite films. So, Yeah, we're going to, I think uh, there's going to be some overlap here at the beginning, so please bear with us of our, you know, our last episode, our most recent episode was about silent film era, which was the very beginning of cinema history. And and what is interesting is that horror has been around since the beginning. It's been around for a very long time. And it's very interesting that I actually wasn't aware that that was the case. I thought it was not a new genre, but, you know, it's more of a niche genre. It's not a hugely popular genre, uh, at least overall. I, I would say it is popular, but it fluctuates in popularity, as all the genres sure, and do. I, also, you know I, I, mean? I would say also that, you know, the, the your opinion of what horror is, it, it just kind of depends on who you are, because, uh, you know, some of these movies... Some people might not really categorize as horror films, but at the time, they were scary to people. You know, especially some of these silent films wouldn't probably particularly scare anybody, but for the time, they were frightening, and and that they're just kind of just the foundations of anything. With the foundation has a foundation that you know starts very minimal, and then it builds its way up to being what it what it is today. And and I think with some of these silent films, like you know. Uh, you know, as we talked about a little bit, I said I brought up the Phantom Carriage and 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 you know something right. like the the Cabinet of Doctor Cal- Caligari. You know, is is an early one yeah. that it was is considered a horror film of the time, and and uh, you know might not be scary to you, but back then it was it was frightening. You know. Yeah, and, and horror even goes before that. Yeah, yeah. It goes before the 1920s. Um, once again, the name that keeps popping up in the our early talks here is uh, George Melier. Yeah. He is kind of credited with creating the first horror movie. Uh, it was, I believe, called Le Manoir du Diable, which is, you know, it, it's probably a short film done in black and white. Um, and... It, the film genre kind of grew from there, where we had, you know, films in the 1910s. Uh, we had a a Frankenstein movie that came out in 1910, yeah, yeah. which is really early on. And then, of course, when we get into kind of the more, I would say, more well known, yeah, uh, yeah, they, they did you know, a silent era, silent era stuff. They did a uh, is in the 20s, yeah, an interpretation you know? of um, 
Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in like ni- the early 1900s right. to like 1912. Um, so yeah, they, there was a lot of uh, a lot of filmmakers that really wanted to delve into that genre. I think you know get you know create that genre. You know, but the thing is, is of course a lot of that had to do with technology. They weren't able to oh, to yeah. you know. Uh, bring out the vision uh, that they had. So, you know, sometimes no. they would go for the more melodramatic stuff. And that's how a lot of people talked about horror in them days, I think, were that they were melodramatic, fused with, right. like, you know, dark elements, you know, gothic elements, you know. Um, well, very much so. And, you know, you have, and, you know, you have a movie called, you know, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, which came out in 1923. And when you think Hunchback of Notre Dame, you don't necessarily think horror, but it does have horrific elements. You know, Quasimodo is, you know, a, a, a disfigured hunchback person and stuff like that. And of course, you know, you have a movie called The Cat and the Canary, uh, The Unknown, The Man Who Laughs. Also, um, you have a guy called... For- you know Todd Brown. Yeah, and we talked about like we what? talked about last episode Nosferatu. You know that's that was one of the big ones. Oh yeah, you know, nineteen twenty two. I think's when that came out. So it's you know horror was definitely in its early stages, um, but a lot of the um, you know big influencers came started coming popping out of this era, like uh, the fan of the opera, uh, which you had right. Lon Chaney. Is that is that who was? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was Lon Chaney. It's that it's that famous picture you always see of the uh, the phantom just that like you know the the sunken eyes and almost skullish looking face yeah. with the big teeth that's just synonymous with phantom of the opera and there've been so many uh, uh versions of phantom of the opera over the years um and moving past the 1920s is when we get into a lot of uh the foundation i would say for modern horror yeah. the 1930s and 1940s are probably you know, when the horror genre became mainstream to a certain extent. And I'm specifically talking about uh, the Universal Monster movies, the Universal Monster pictures. And this is where we get the heavy hitters. Yeah, oh yeah. The ones that everybody knows, the, the, the icons. Kind of start, starts Frank- with Dracula in, in 1931. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we have Dracula, Frankenstein, the Invisible Man, the Wolfman, uh, the Mummy, uh, these are the you know the most iconic of them all. Then a little later on, I believe in the fifties, you would get Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, yeah. And the thing with Creature from the Black Lagoon is that it was originally shown in three D <laughs> because in the nineteen fifties they decided to bring in three D and they and they were like, you know what, that's a cool gimmick to put in a monster movie. Why not? It'll get us yeah, some extra yeah. money. And, and at the time, you and those movies at the time were kind of the start of franchise movies you know franchise building all of those movie all of those iconic characters um had sequels had film franchises and, and they had and some of the sequels weren't really connected to the previous movies, yeah but they all had the same character yeah i mean and, you I, I know mean, they had they had something famously to do i mean a lot of people character. consider bride of frankenstein to be better than frankenstein now i think frankenstein's underrated but yeah, Bride of Frankenstein's pretty awesome. Um, and during that time, you had a couple different directors that were kind of the the go tos. You had like a uh, um, Todd Browning who did Dracula, um, who did um, uh, not a Universal monster movie, but uh, really kind of a, a cult classic. Freaks was a big one. Yes, um, 
That was over at, he did that over at MGM, and it was so controversial at the time that MGM, like, disowned it. Well, yeah, they cut it, they They cut it down to, like, 60 minutes long, and it was, like, an, it cut, like, 30 (laughs) minutes out of the movie, and, yeah, it's still, it's it's a controversial movie, but it's very, it's, it is a very frightening movie, I, I, I really like it, um, but you also, you also had, uh, John Wales, who, uh, did Frankenstein, um, Invisible Man, he also did another kind of, um, a great horror movie called uh, the old dark house um and mm. uh you know you can, i think that's got a got a release on i want to say kino or one it's got it's got a good release out there of either on kino or on uh um one of the british labels but um yeah yeah the, just checking up on that now yes it does and it's james james well i'm sorry james not john well james well just so, yeah, just so all the just so all the people at home don't Please yell don't at us kill me. that we got the name wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Jay, the thing with James Whale is that he is a uh, he was a homosexual filmmaker, yeah. so he was able to kind of it put a lot of those you know hidden homosexual homosexual undertones within his movies. And what is interesting at the time is that a lot of these movies came out right before. Uh, the Hayes Code was introduced, yeah. which was which would be the production code at the time. So they were able to, you know, utilize a lot more, you know, darker themes to put in those movies. Um, another person who I think is a big one, uh, who who was uh, part of another studio is Val Luton. Val Luton worked for RKO during the '40s. Basically, what happened is, you know, uh, because the Universal Pictures was having so much success. With their with their monster movies, other studios wanted to pick up and do their own. They yeah. wanted to cash in, and that's when they got that's when they got uh, Val Luton, who was more of a producer slash director than he was just a straight director. But he produced films like uh, Cat People yeah. and I Walked with a Zombie, The Leopard Man, uh, The Curse of the Cat People, which is the sequel to The Cat People, and then The Body Snatcher, uh, Isle of the Dead. You know, these movies have very uh, horror horror titles. But what is interesting about Val Luton is he was very restricted as to what he could do with his movies, where I believe RKO, like, they gave him... The movies that he made had to have had to be about what the title suggested. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, these movies had to have this title. They wanted it. So he would just make movies that he wanted to make and have them, like, loosely connected to to whatever the title was. Yeah, yeah, You know yeah. what I mean? So to, kind of, to kind of be able to make his own thing, which is really, you know, sly and kind of... Um, <laughs> you know inventive from his perspective but he made he made some pretty cool films definitely check them out um he passed away unfortunately in 1951 really uh right after he had broke away from rko and i think he was going to go work for columbia oh, pictures okay. and he passed away at like four, like oh, really so, young yeah, age didn't, didn't like in his, four, in his 40s yeah. um he didn't get to do more movies he only has a handful of yeah, them, yeah basically yeah. And, and we, um, of course, we can't, you know, not only were there these universal monster movies, but there also kind of was these, you know, leaps in technology, you know, stuff like, you know, that we have to talk about. And these, this technically monster movie, but, you know, of course, King Kong comes out and that's, you know, oh, yeah, 1931. And that's that's, of course, maybe not what you can would consider completely a like a horror film. Um, but it's it. I mean, it is. I mean, it's a it's a big monster, you know, destroying a city. I mean, that's. That's a horror movie. I mean, and it and it obviously had all that yeah. leaps in technology using the um, stop motion and stuff like that. And um, that's that's you know that's a that's a definitely a um, that was a big leap forward, especially for what comes in the next you know decade or so with other films. But we'll get there. Yeah, 
it would be a kind of a precursor to the kaiju yes. films or the mon- or the big monster movies that would come in the kind of nuclear age of yeah, horror yeah. and sci-fi, which the, would be the 50s and when 60s. When we get into the apocalyptic age of movies about the apocalypse, you know, the end, uh, end of the yeah, world. But before, <laughs> yeah. before we get into those, I do want to mention uh, in the 1950s, um, across the pond, across the ocean, in England, we had... Uh, the film company called Hammer. Yes, definitely. And this is when the Hammer, this is when the Hammer horror films really showed up. Was in the fifties, sixties, and seventies, and then Hammer kind of went away. And it's actually been revived over the last decade or so, which is kind of cool. But they started off um, making uh, color. First of all, the films were in color, and the films were like they were more b-movie type pictures but they were kind of their versions of universal monsters for example they did their own series of dracula films which which all starred christopher lee they did a series of frankenstein films which all starred peter cushing and those two people are probably people you know of because they went on to be in gigantic yeah, star franchises wars. like star wars <laughs> lord of the rings and lord of the rings <laughs> yeah and they were really you know getting their start in the hammer horror genre and that and 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 that and those films i think are just fascinating to watch you know what i mean i think though it's just a completely different taste of what horror films were at the time and as they got as they went on they became more and more kind of b monster movies and just kind of you know they were they they used gore and blood and nudity and all kind of stuff like that stuff that you couldn't do here in the in, in America because they were on because of the Hayes code you couldn't have you know sexual stuff in movies definitely couldn't no. have nudity you, you know blood blood had to be a minimum it, it's you know? interesting it was to, really, it's interesting to think about that you know during this time you had um a foreign country you know for us a foreign country kind of remaking our movies but then like today it's like totally the opposite <laughs> like it yeah, really especially is. with horror it movies. really is <laughs> we remake yeah, every which, we which remake everybody's stuff <laughs> yeah which is kind of a new trend that's been happening over like the last 20 years or so but yeah, we'll, we'll get, get to that, that yeah. Um, we'll get to that when we get to the more modern age stuff. There, there, there also are, there's the also a, a great director that kind of got us, in, you know, it's a more psychological movie, but he's he's a British director, uh, Clouseau, um, with mm. the Diabolique. is kind of a, a seminal kind of yeah. um, horror film of that time that kind of influenced a lot of the greats moving forward. Oh, yeah. Henry Georges Clouseau, who is kind of the French Hitchcock, which is what people have called him to be, typically because of his movie Diabolique. Um, Diabolique is a film that's very similar to Hitchcock. Uh, Apparently, Hitchcock wanted to buy the rights to Diabolique, but didn't get to, so Clouseau kind of beat him to it. And what is interesting about Diabolique is that... uh, if Psycho made you afraid to go in the shower, <laughs> Diabolique made you afraid to take yeah, a bath. Really. <laughs> uh, the, that's the interesting relationship between those two movies. But also in the 1950s, we want I, I kind of want to touch on what we just what we just uh, talked about, and that is kind of um, the nuclear yeah, age yeah. of horror movies, where we get uh, the kaiju movies, where we get movies like Godzilla or Gojira, which came out in 1954, which was a direct kind of um, commentary on uh you know uh nu- nuclear weapons but atomic weapons you know uh talking about basically the the effects of the dropping of the yeah, atomic yeah. bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki in World War and World War 2 have their kind of 
you know, you know, they're, um, what's the word I'm looking Mutation, for? Mutation, mutative effects. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. They also have their, la- their lasting effects. Yeah. yeah. And, you know and what not I mean? only that, but also, you know, during this era, we, it wasn't just about like, uh, the nuclear, but it was also about kind of being, um, you know, you had movies like the invasion, the invasion of the body snatchers, things like that, where it's about, you know, kind of being taken over by a, a foreign thing, you know, you know, that was kind of something that kind of, kind of came along with that, that too. I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because of the whole, you know, the cold the, war yeah, was going yeah. on at the time, Russia and the United States were, you know, uh, at, at a, at war with each other, a battle of wills where each of them were stockpiling weapons and each of them were fearful of the other country, you know, which one's going to invade, uh, which one, at what point is nuclear war going to break yeah. out? And a lot of the films, at the time, reflected those feelings because that's just the feelings that of the kind time. Of a, kind of, you, know, um, you could say it was kind of a lot, a lot of the birth of that kind of paranoid thriller um, type of movie. You yeah, know? and yeah, and the psycholo- and, and people debate whether psychological thriller or suspense thriller are part of the horror genre. I kind no, of no, I definitely they are. think so. I think that that's. I, I think, like we were saying earlier, you know, it, it's really objective, you know, subjective to the to the person. I mean, they can. You know, you know whatever scares you is is horror to you. You know, it's not it's not something that you can quantify. It's 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 all relative to the person. So I think, yeah, oh, most definitely. And I, and I like to think that it is, particularly because of one of my favorite directors is Alfred Hitchcock, who is one of the main staples of the horror psychological thriller and suspense genre and he was making films kind of throughout his career that dealt with very horrific or very creepy things things like you know voyeurism or the wrong man complex where someone commit you know accuses you of a crime just because you look like the person who may have done it or something like that but then he really dipped fully into the horror genre with his movie Psycho, which came out in 1960. And I want to talk about that specifically, and I also want to pair it up with uh, Michael Powell's yeah, Peeping you're, you're Tom. Yeah, you're also, going the same place I was thinking, yeah. Cause, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, it, the, those two movies are connected with one another because they're kind of the birth of the, the slasher, slasher genre. Yeah. The slasher genre, where you just have, like, nonsensical killing killings uh, for no apparent reason other than people are just evil. Yeah. You know what I mean? You really get... And that's kind of bleeds, you know, spreads it, into the serial killer genre and stuff know, like that. Especially for me with the Peeping Tom, you know, it, it kind of also... You know, like with slasher movies, usually the killer has like kind of a... Um, he has a go-to weapon. You know, he has the, that, that signature weapon. And in Peeping Tom, he kind of uses his camera. And, and the, he uses the, the stand of his camera as kind of his... his his go-to like I, I think i think that that's really interesting how they they do that in that movie and that's and the thing is, is that came out in 1960 but a lot of people look to something like texas chainsaw as being the birth um yeah. which was like what 15 years later <laughs> yeah so it's very yeah it's, it's very interesting how yeah you know, they people look at that as kind of an influence on um you know the the they look at Psycho and Peeping Tom as influencing those movies in the seventies, which we're going to get to definitely. Yeah, yeah. Those are the main ones. Those are the major ones that everybody knows about. Uh, what's cool about Peeping Tom, which I've always liked, is that all of the murders in that movie are done via POV, yeah. like you're looking through the camera lens. So it's like it's like you're committing the crime, and that's another very Hitchcockian thing where 
he would make you feel like you were participating in the crime itself. Uh, very, very fascinating and interesting stuff. I don't want to go. To, I don't want to go down a whole Alfred Hitchcock thing because we're probably going to do an episode on him eventually mm. in the future as well. But this does bring us to the 1960s. And the 1960s is a very interesting decade for horror movies and a very interesting decade just for movies in general. I consider the 60s kind of the wild, wild west of movies uh, just because there are several things happening. Not only is it a tumultuous decade uh, in pop culture with the United States, but just all across the world. And you also have the uh, dissolution or kind of the destruction or the breakdown of the studio system. Yeah. All the... All the old guys who were, you know, the big names at the studios, your Warner Brothers, the Louis B. Mayers, all these kind of people, the Harry Cones, everybody was kind of just dying off. And what ended up happening is uh, big corporations started taking over the movie studios, which is very apropos to now because they're all run by big yeah. corporations and it's all about money and profits and kind of people who aren't movie people are behind all of the movies that yeah, we watch. Yeah, because, because the movie industry a lot of has become the kind of one of the biggest um you know pieces of our economy in this country you know of course big corporations are going to want to be in on that so <laughs> oh yeah most definitely and and but what is interesting at the time very similar to now is you had a lot of kind of independent production companies popping up you know what I mean? And these were typically low-budget movies, you know, movies that were made for a couple of hundred bucks or maybe a million, three million dollars around there. And you had people uh, showing up that you you all knew, that many people now know about. George A. Romero, Night of the Living Dead came out in the 60s. Uh, even, you know, more controversial, uh, Roman Polanski, Rosemary's yeah. Baby, and all of his all of his you know, very creepy Repul films of the 1960s. Isn't that him? Repulsion. Repulsion's yeah. a big one. Yeah. yeah, Repulsion's a big one from him as well. Uh, Knife in the Water is another one from him. But also at the time, you had someone like uh, Roger Corman showed up. And Roger Corman is someone who's still around now producing movies. And back then, he started producing movies uh, that were really low budget and uh, that were of blood. Uh, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of American. Yeah, Bucket of Blood was one of them. American Grindhouse stuff. But Roger Coleman also produced uh, a series of like Edgar Allan Poe uh, adaptations, and they all starred Vincent Price. And, you know, like House of Usher and like Mask of the Red Death and The Pit and the Pendulum yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. But he worked, but what's interesting about Roger Coleman is that he worked like in and out of the big studios. He basically went where people would give him money. And this was kind of the early days of independent cinema like we know it now. And some of the people that were that came around in the 1960s are going to be names uh, that people are well aware of. Uh, it's going to be people like uh, Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, Martin Scorsese worked with with um, um, Roger Corman, Joe Dante, James Cameron, uh, Monty Hellman, uh, just Peter Bogdanovich, Ron Howard. I mean, these are big, big, huge names that all got started in doing these kind of exploitation B-movie grindhouse drive-in movies yeah. that all came up in the 1960s. And you could also say that even in today's, you know, kind of horror landscape directors, that's kind of happening again. You know, a lot of a lot of guys are starting out in the horror genre doing these low-budget movies. Somebody like James Wan, 
um, you know, and they're starting there and, and then becoming going into doing bigger films because of that. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's like Star Wars. It's it's an echo. You know, it's a it's there's poetry yeah. there, you know. <laughs> yeah. F- uh, what's interesting about if you study film history is you always see like things always there, there are patterns yeah. like they, trends. there are always patterns. Trends. It's very sick trends it's very cyclical um there's just so many interesting things you notice about it and the 60s also gave birth to like i said a lot of exploitation films a lot of like splatter blood films and just a lot more like grotesque things which no coincidence led into the 1970s which is as steven said uh, is when we really got into the slashers slashers really take over along with that you know overseas the Italians start kind of doing these this new genre of uh, kind of b- building into this new genre of giallo films that are very exploitative, right. uh, you know, horror films. Um, a lot of sex, a lot of blood, a lot of, you know, usually there's a, like a kind of a detective element to them. You know, you had guys like uh, Dario Argento, um, you know, and uh, shoot, it's names that I can't say because that's second. Mario Brava, <laughs> you know, so, so, you know, Bava, stuff like that. They, they you know, I, I've seen Deep Red. Deep Red was pretty cool. Of course, Suspiria, which is actually getting a remake this year, is another one. So, yeah, I mean, this was this was a very interesting time and in, uh, for horror films, and they got bloodier during this decade, definitely. <laughs> yeah, you, and you, yeah, another one to mention is Lucio Fulci yeah, yeah. is an, is another big name. Fulci and Argento are really, I think, most people's introductions into Giallo cinema they're very interesting they're they're very different like we said they are uh uh italian films or foreign films so some are in english some are not um and, but not only do you have the giallo cinema you've got other movies other things kind of popping up uh f- for example uh nicholas rogues don't look now is a great horror movie um you have the original wicker man from 1973 not that uh, Nicholas Cage one from <laughs> no 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 that ago. one that's that just one's awful. the one we're talking about right the bees <laughs> the bees <laughs> we'll get to that when we get to like all of the Dude, remakes what are you talking about we're gonna do a Nicholas doing. Cage episode what are you talking about <laughs> oh that is true that is true but getting back into like the more graphic stuff the more you know, slasher stuff is you've got uh, people coming along like Wes Craven and John Carpenter. You know, Wes Craven, uh, The Last House on the Left. It's a very low budget, yeah, dirty, it's, it's, snuff like movie. Even, it's even it's more. Pretty, it's pretty. It's pretty. Uh, it's, disturbing. it's even more it disturbing, disturbing today. I watched it not that long ago, and and it's it looks like it looks like it's shot on a camcorder in someone's house and outside. It's really dirty. Yeah. Um, and and then he would go on to do like The Hills Have Eyes. Um, and then you've got people like Toby Hooper's The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which changed uh, a lot of things. Uh, that movie is based on Ed Gein. It, that movie is talk about that dirty. dirty. That movie was shot. In, <laughs> that movie was shot on sixteen millimeter to look even grainier than you could possibly imagine. Um, and then you've got uh, a film uh, like uh, George Romero made his uh, Dawn of the Dead, which was kind of a a social commentary on like consumerism and stuff like that. That's a pretty cool movie. I, I, yeah, um, you, they, the the you know the the slashers kind of get. I mean, of course, let, before we move on from the slashers, I think there's you know like you know Halloween, uh, of course, uh, is kind of the last well, big one that pops up in the seventies. 
Yeah, I would consider it Halloween a slasher movie. Yeah, most yeah. definitely. But I could, I, 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 I grew, I, you know, lump it in yeah, with those. Yeah, yeah. I think also in this in the seventies, I think there was kind of a uh, an upswing in in like the kind of the possession genre, and you had stuff like, of course, The Exorcist was the big one. Yeah, um, that came out with uh, William freaking freaking, um, and uh, that you know that one's of course always sticks with people. Um, I, I one of my yeah, favorites. You- you also have like The Omen by yeah, Richard yeah. Donner, which is the movie that like got him the job for uh, Superman, yeah. <laughs> Superman the movie. And then you've got other movies like Black Christmas. Yeah, and... you have them string of holiday it... horror movies too. You, you know, black. Yeah, yes, you, you know, do. I mean, even recently, like the Krampus, and you know, like uh, you know, it's. There's so, like we said before, so many subgenres. You know, hollow, holiday oh, yeah. horror will, movies is a thing. That's yeah. I mean, another big one, which I mean, I can't believe Stephen hasn't mentioned it yet. Jaws. Jaws. Oh wow! I, I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you said Stephen should have said it, I was like, yes, I should have said that. Yeah, that you know that we had. Um, you know, that, you know, I think that one, of course, kind of almost gave birth to like the that kind of animal. Uh, attack horror film you know there might have been some others before that but i think this one was the first one that kind of broke into the mainstream that got got people you know and then from there you had things like piranha and and you know on and on you know yeah and then and then we of course uh don't forget sci-fi yeah, horror. sci-fi horror sci-fi yeah. horror sci-fi horror would make its big presence known more so in the 80s but starting out alien yeah. Alien by Ridley Scott is a movie that people keep talking about now, and that movie is just a fantastic. It's a haunted house movie in space. Yeah. Uh, the Xenomorph is an iconic figure; it really is. Um, and when we we're kind of breaching that nineteen eighties type type thing, but th- we're kind of breaching the nineteen eighties decade. But in the eighties, we kind of have, um, you know, there's a. Uh, a, a crossover with the seventies when it comes to slasher specifically. Yeah, it, uh, you know this is when we, this is when we get you know Friday the Thirteenth and A Nightmare on Elm Street and Hellraiser and and just the grotesque stuff. Yeah, I was going to say the body in. horror also, starts really popping out. You know, with guys like yeah, Dave, David Cronenberg really starts to get into the swing of things with stuff like The Fly, which is a remake, but it's I think vastly better than the original. Yeah, something yeah, something we didn't talk about in the 50s, you know, they did have like um kind of, you know, grotesque movies well, We kind of talked about like it when I said fly. Invasions of the Body Snatchers yeah. kind of delves with that kind yeah. of like invasion of the body in the in the metamorphosis of some, you know, it's got this meta, you know, metaphysical like thing commentary going on where the the people's right. mental state is, you know, you know, crossing over with their physical state, and that's kind of what kind of jumps yeah. out in the in the eighties too. With like I said, Cronenberg, yeah, Cronenberg had and a slew of films there, like The Fly yeah. and um, something like Scanners that were all very um, sci-fi horror, body horror, you know, all mixed up. So yeah, and there and there are always certain running themes throughout horror. A big one that constantly comes up, and it would come up through a bunch of decades, is the idea of. Uh, you know, humanity messing with science so much that it ends up, you know, becoming their own doom. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And that's where you get, like, the fly and stuff like that. And, if, and of um, course, like, and, with the slashers, a lot of that was, a lot of it was sex. <laughs> the set, yeah, the yeah, set, yeah, 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 I don't know what it is you know. with my, people like Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees or Freddy 
or Freddy, uh, they love to pop in while people are they having are the, sex. They're they the worst to kill cop them. blockers of anybody <laughs> in history. <laughs> uh, uh, that's very, very or true. Or twat swatters, um, however, whichever way you want to. <laughs> whatever you want to say. And I, I also want to bring up that in the 70s and 80s is when we started getting uh, Stephen King adaptations. Yes. Big, that's, that's a big deal. Uh, and we started, you know... Yeah. That's a big deal. We get Carrie, which is very iconic in the 70s. In the 80s, we get The Dead Zone, which was, you know, coincidentally directed by uh, David Cronenberg. But we also get things like Cujo is another one. The Shining, of course, in the 80s. The Shining, Stanley Kubrick, uh, Pet Cemetery, Misery. Um, That would be the 90s, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, And then you get get kind of like horror comedies start popping up in the 80s. And I'm going to let Steven take oh, yeah. this one well, away I mean, with the big one. I, it's a big one. It's it's <clears throat> Evil Dead. I mean, I mean, uh, shout out to Robert Jones. Uh, it's <clears throat> it's his favorite movie, or probably more specifically, Evil Dead Two. But you know, Evil Dead One gives us the start of the of, of Bruce Campbell here, and uh, he is kind of an iconic person even today. You know, they they did a TV series uh, of Evil Dead. So it, you know, the horror comedy genre is kind of I think. It's not always everybody's favorite because it, you know, it kind of, you know, takes the piss out of something that's supposed to be scary. But I, I, I love it. I think I think some of my favorite horror movies have a comedy element to it because it's 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 really fun to go from being you're supposed to be you know scared to go from being thrilled to being to laughing. It's it's the two opposites. I, I love it so. Yeah, I. What is interesting about horror is I was telling Stephen this a couple of days ago is that. It's a genre that that can be mixed with so many other genres, and to, and have success within it. Like we were just talking about the uh, the horror comedy, but there's also horror action and horror sci-fi and and things like that. There are even horror romances. I yeah, mean, yeah. like there's so many different things. But when it comes to horror action, I think is when um, the 1980s really had two big movies: uh, Aliens, directed by James Cameron, and Predator. Two yeah, franchises yeah. that they're still they're still working on today in some ways, some good, some bad, but they're still trying to mine what they started back in the 1980s with these two genres. Yeah, and we and, uh, with these two with these two properties. And we can't go much for and I, when we were talking about sci-fi horror, we we forgot one big one, and that's the thing. The thing is a you know John yes. Carpenter, who John Carpenter of course is one of the big uh, big directors that you know came through that time period. Whether it was of course Halloween. Um, you know, you got the thing. You got uh, they live, which is another interesting kind of, uh, you know, kind of sci-fi sort of a comedy. You know, horror movie. You know, um, well, yeah, it, it does have yeah, it does have a horror element to it. I will say that very. It's it's kind of his version of Invasion of the yeah, Body Snatchers. Yeah. Think of that with um, with Rowdy and, Ronnie Piper. So, um. <laughs> yeah, with Rowdy Roddy Piper and Keith and Keith David, they have a great fight in in the in, with a bunch of trash cans. It's great, and he runs at, <laughs> and he awesome. runs out of bubble gum, you know. So yeah. yeah, it's like it's got one of the most iconic lines. You know, I came here to I came here to do two things: kick ass and chew bubble gum, <laughs> and I'm all out of bubble yep. gum. <laughs> uh, so let's get uh, there's so there are a couple of other things I wanted to touch about talk about. Um, uh, you got movies like Reanimator, uh, Night of the Creeps, kind of more lower, more B B uh, B horror movies. And this is in the decade of the 1980s. You get a lot of weird, like B, like almost trashy type horror movies. Schlocky, and this yeah. is where you get co- schlocky, like you know things like 
uh, you know, sleepaway camp or like stuff like that. But this is when you get a company that shows up in Troma, who has made a career in making B and C level low budget. Another shout out. Another you know, shout out to Robert. Horror another films. shout out to Robert Jones. <laughs> Troma. Yeah, and what is it? Yeah, what is it? And Troma is kind of you know, kind of birthed out of that 1960s, you know, uh, American grindhouse type movie that was, you know, pioneered by Roger Corman. They just took it to a more grotesque and interesting uh, area where a lot more, like, body horror, a lot more well, they, weird stuff They really happening. don't want to be censored, you know. I mean, a lot of it was out of necessity. They, you know, they could not, they, you know, get the funding they needed, so they just would make their own movies and made them outside of the studio so that they could make any, they could do anything they wanted. And they didn't release them, you know, widely. You know, you you know, you know, can go watch Choma movies on YouTube. You know, like that's, you know, they make them because they, lo- they love making movies. And through that, you know, they, they kind of just do the trashiest movies you can do possible. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I do want to, and I do want to mention, uh, George A. Romero was back again doing Day of the Dead, which is, Quite possibly everybody's, maybe somebody's favorite of the the Living Dead uh, series. We also had a movie called The Return of the Living Dead, which was, uh, you know, inspired by George A. Romero's zombie films, which is a great, fun 80s horror movie, a little weird. Um, and then we get films like Child's Play, which yet again, a part of that horror comedy genre, which they made plenty of sequels to. They're still working on another Jesus. Child's Play movie now. They got like two different I mean, versions it, it, going right now. I don't, I don't even know what they're, they're thinking, but because I never, I mean, I, I think... They're, they they already had, they had a, a loyal fan base going, but now they're like remaking it, and then they're like like we're gonna do this whole other version. Yay! I don't think they're making fans happy right now. So, <laughs> no, I don't think they are either. And what is interesting is we talk about those types of genre, those types of franchises uh, that started in the 1980s. They would carry over into the 1990s too. Yeah, uh, Halloween specifically carried all the way over to the early 2000s from its original yeah. film before they decided to re you know reboot it we'll get into horror reboots uh, later that that's all the craze now uh, as well uh, but when we get into the 90s we get into more uh like i said sequel carryovers but that this is when kind of cgi really became uh a thing when it came to not only horror movies but just movie making in general yeah i mean we we, we, um, we start and, getting into that um time where people are getting so um kind of like they're turning their eyes to this technology that's happening you know and and so movies like these horror little horror movies are not keeping their attention and but being that they're just making sequels to the same things they're they're getting uninterested so they needed something to to come back to horror and i think guys like wes craven decided hey you know what i'm gonna you know subvert what i've done before and get your interest back with something like scream Scream's kind of the seminal film that kind of comes out in the middle of the, the 90s yeah. that really that that really gets everybody's attention again. Um, you know, this was a time yeah, time where just, the, the the teen well, comedy, the teen uh, teen horror movie kind of became the big big thing. Oh well, yeah, you also had, you know, you had Scream, but you also had, you know, I know what you did last summer and stuff yeah. like that. Urban urban um, legends. And then <laughs> urban legends stuff like that and then but you also had a very interesting kind of string of i guess you could say prestige horror films i don't know (laughs) when you had a silence of the silence of the lambs won you know a bunch of oscars you had uh kathy bates winning a best actress oscar for misery which was a stephen king adaptation directed by rob reiner who 
really didn't do horror he, films. He did everything. You had stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, he all he, 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 he did. He, he did which we forgot. Stand by me, which is Stephen King too. Yeah, I mean he, you know, yeah, like he he did he does a little bit of everything, man. Very true. And then you have like movie like an Interview with a Vampire, which was kind of more you know um, like a period piece type vampire movie that was very you know uh, theatrical. I mean that and like based in theater, you know. And it's very interesting how you also, like Stephen mentioned, had the subversion of the genre itself where people were literally making fun of it because a lot of the same tropes kept happening over and over again that people just started making fun yeah, of Yeah, I mean, them. even... You know I what mean, I mean? And, and, and it's the guys, like I said, Wes Craven, it's the guys that kind of in, helped invent the genre of that time. I mean, it, it you know, even with something like New Nightmare, um, you know, which is like what the sixth movie in the Freddy franchise, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sixth or seventh, yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. There were there was Scream, Scream Two, Scream Three. We're, we're all in the nineties. Then we got Scream Four much later on. Uh, but then we also had uh, sci fi. Uh, sci fi horror was still around. A movie that I kind of credited as the first horror movie I ever saw as a kid was Event Horizon okay. by Paul W S Anderson. Oh, fantastic um, filmmaker. I kind. <sighs> Fantastic! Mm. Like I would say, back in the nineties, he was doing his thing. He still does his thing today. It's talk about someone who does the same thing <laughs> uh-huh. over and over again. But it, it's that was one of the first movies I saw, and that that movie kind of traumatized me when I was like ten, eleven years old. <laughs> um, but but you also had movies like um, The Faculty, which was another you know readaptation is, of the Invasion of the Body that's Snatchers. Underrated, underrated. That's also the guy underrated. that that, that wrote uh, Scream, uh, Kevin Williamson. Yes, yes, it was. And you had movies like uh, the um, uh, Cube, which was another kind of underrated horror movie, in my opinion. Stir of Echoes with Kevin Bacon, Stigmata. Um, you had Existence. Ah, uh, Cronenberg's look, back again. Back. <laughs> Cronenberg's back again. Then you had the monster horror movies like Tremors. Tremors is pretty cool. Then you had like Lake ah, Placid. Lake Placid, and, the, the big uh, alligator <laughs> crocodile. Or, or remember, yeah, remember the, Anaconda? Oh, That's another one. Anna, Anna. Oh, Anaconda. Ah. Oh my goodness! You had Jennifer Lopez, uh, had, uh, Ice Cube, uh, John Ice John Cube Voight. was in that. John Voight was in there fighting, fighting oh, um, giant snake. The, the best part of that best <laughs> part of that sneak. movie is when he he gets spit out by the anaconda and then he winks. That's the best part. Yeah, and it's like he's still alive. <laughs> and then you had uh uh, sorry, of course you had a resurgence when it came to really low budget indie indie horror in the Blair Witch Project, which came out in 1999, which kind of set everybody ablaze. Like, everybody, yeah. like, lost yeah, their I remember, mind I remember movie. when that came out, man, and I was, like, I, of course, I was, like, only, I was only, like, 10, and and, and I was, I, I, I mean, I had to check it out. I was, like, is it real? I mean, I, apparently, this really happened. I, I need to know. Sure. And, and you know, and, yeah, and, and, you and, know, and of course, yeah. it, set, it set, like you said, set the world afire with the found footage genre. I mean, it's kind of something that kind of birthed that in a way. I mean, there might've been some others before, but this is kind of the one that everybody goes back to is the Blair Witch Project. I'm not a super fan of it. I think it's a little overrated. I just think that it was so new that people, it's, they latched onto it. Um, yeah. And talk, and, and what is interesting, you mentioned the found footage genre is that I feel that that's a genre that played itself out. And that happens a lot 
in the horror genre where certain tropes, certain gimmicks, certain, uh, you know, movie subgenres kind of just play themselves out because they just keep doing the same things over and over again. It gets very predictable. It gets very boring. And so that's why you, you have to have a lot of new and interesting things. And that's kind of when you go, you know, go overseas is where you get a lot of interesting movies. When you go overseas is when you get a lot of the foreign horror films. Uh, films like Te uh, Takashi Miyake's Audition, which is very graphic and very interesting. Uh, half of the movie is like a Douglas Sirk romantic melodrama. The other half is <laughs> super disturbing horror. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting. And you've got, you know, other films like uh, like Juwan The Grudge, which came out in the early 2000s as well. And while we're talking about the early 2000s, we might as well jump in because I mean, this, there's a bunch to talk yeah, about. There's yeah, a well, bunch that, to, to me, about. you know, I, I kind of brought them up earlier. To me, one of the big, uh, you had the kind of the birth of one of the big horror filmmakers of today, and that's James Wan. He, he had Saul come out in the early 2000s, and that to me is still one of my favorite horror films. I, I mean, just that was a fran that's a franchise that went on to do what, like six or seven movies, and. Um, I lost yeah, him. I know there's so many of them, and and James Wan only did the first one, which is really to me the only real good one. Um, and it's it kind of you know kind of gets us into this new kind of age of gore horror, you know, this torture horror that right. that you know gets really big in in the 2000s um, for America at least. Yeah. You could say you could say it, it, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a new genre. You know, we we talked about the bloody horror of the 70s, but the way that they do it in the 2000s is a lot more like they're they like it you know like the filmmakers like to hurt the people you know it's very almost yeah it's like fetish so it's, like so fe it's like they're it. fetishizing it yeah. you know i was gonna say like almost like a, a, a sadomasochism about some of it um a, a lot of of course with modern technology and the 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 uh the lacks in certain things you can put into movies you know when you have the r-rated uh rating as well as you know nc-17 you can push the boundaries pretty much and in the 2000s when we get like notable films like uh final destination they did a bunch of those movies yeah. where you know this idea that you know you know, eventually death's gonna come for you no matter yeah, you, what. It's your yeah, time. Yeah, it's your death, time. death is the death <laughs> is the slasher of this movie. <laughs> yeah, and you get like that's when you get like people like Eli Roth and Rob Zombie show up with you know Cabin Fever, House for Thousand Corpses, The Devil's Rejects, Hostel, um, Hostel, Hostel. Uh, you get other movies, and of course Rob Zombie would do his his two Halloween movies, which the second one didn't do as well. So now they got to reboot it again. <laughs> Um, and, and Halloween, yeah, Halloween, they decided after 2002 was when Halloween Resurrection came out. They were like, okay, I guess we're done with that. Uh, so they decided to, to reboot it with Rob Zombie, of all people. Um, who's, doesn't, he, he makes very interesting, very angry, very violent, very gory horror films. So I don't know how they thought that that was going to play to a I mainstream like he, audience. I feel, like his, whatever. I feel like his idea of horror is like what you see at fun, like horror haunted houses during halloween like the most disgusting things but did there's not like any like real like anything behind it like he has no thought behind it it's just what what can i make look as disgusting as possible um it's know. very it, it's very excessive yeah yeah that's that's a lot about the, the modern horror uh especially that rose up in the 2000s like we talked about the torture the torture porn and all the graphic stuff was very excessive just for the sake of being excessive yeah. it didn't for me feel 
scary in any way it, it was just gross yeah. you know what i mean like it makes you it made you turn away or you know made you creeped you out made you throw up who knows, <laughs> who knows? Uh, no i, 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 I did <laughs> not know, throw but, up but no yeah i mean he i did not throw and, up and either I, I have a pretty strong stomach uh, but f- another filmmaker we got to mention uh, who set the world on fire a little bit early on in his career is m night Shyamalan. ah Shyamalama ding dong that's one of our favorites we gotta talk we, Got to talk about the Sixth yes. Sense, which was, which was what ninety nine, two thousand around there. Yeah. It, it actually got not. It actually got nominated for Best Picture, so it, it was a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Haley Joe Osment, I think, was nominated mm-hmm. as well. And then I think I don't remember what. Two. Then he did movies like Unbreakable, yeah. and Signs, and The Village. And then his career kind of slowly started to peter out. With uh, after that, when he did. Uh, the most famous worst adaptation uh, he, well, he ever. Did the, last... uh, he did uh, with the Lady in the Water was kind of the first one, and, Lady... and then he did. Uh, and then he did uh, the ha- Last Airbender did, is where I'm going. He did, <laughs> well, he did the Happening. The Happening was kind of the other one. It was uh, his first rated R movie, and, and then he did La- Last Airbender, which broke my heart. And uh, and then you know he continued to go downward with uh, After Earth. And yeah, just into other other realms, and then now recently he went back to the horror genre with the visit, which I think was definitely a step up, and and then he went back to the well uh, with with the split, which is another kind of horror psychological thing going on, and then he's got the new one, Glass, which is a combination of Unbreakable Split into one movie. Yeah, and his films aren't. Uh, his films are more psychological thrillers. Yeah. He is very much. Ta- he took a lot from Alfred Hitchcock. A lot from him. Yeah, I mean, he's even. If you have a, if you have the Blu-ray of Dial M for Murder, he's even on the special features talking about Alfred well, Hitchcock I mean, and I mean, stuff like I mean, that. If, so he took a lot. I mean, from if you, him, if you, you know? watch Sign, we if all you did. watch Signs. I mean, the opening, the music in Signs, that especially the opening is basically the music from Psycho. It's it's like it's rearranged it's but it's the psycho music um and oh, yeah. and and you know like this the, the the title cards are like war of the worlds like it's like it's ta- he's taken from so much from that time um from the 50s and the you know hitchcock and it's yeah he's he's definitely yeah. a filmmaker that takes wears his influences on his sleeve but uh I, I really like him. I actually do like him as a filmmaker. I think he he, he he's he's a better director than he is a writer, but because uh, he you know hangs on the twist, he's always tries to have a twist right. in his films. Um, but I I, I do I, I do think cool. he 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 has some some good stuff going on. So he does. I mean, he's making a comeback. Um, but I also want to talk about briefly because uh, we mentioned it earlier, so we might as well talk about it. Is um, foreign foreign horror films that were then made remade into american <laughs> movies and th- and that that's when we talk about the ring yeah. the grudge dark waters another one um and and what is interesting is that those went on to uh, have great great y- success yeah, let, let the right one in you know uh which we, yeah let the right one in which was remade into let, let me, me in, in yeah <laughs> um yeah let the right one in is fantastic um uh, and then we also kind of uh, have movies that were about like apocalyptic type stuff. The apocalypse movies are Making back, their way. back in business. Yes. Back in business, where we got we had a remake of Dawn of the Dead. Hills uh, have eyes. Yeah, 
we had a remake of Hills Have Eyes. We had uh, 28 Days Later, 28 Weeks Later, Quarantine, which was a remake of, of, of a foreign film called Wreck. Uh, I Am Legend, which was a remake of, I think, Omega, Omega Man, Man yeah. with starring Charlton Heston. I mean, there's just like you could you could see how cyclical all these yeah, things and then, come. Yeah, and then with that, always coming and then back with, into with style. That, you know, the zombie genre has been re- rejuvenated, especially with, of course, The Walking oh, yeah. Dead. You know, The Walking Dead. You know, big big deal TV yeah. show has kind of you know taken you know which is basically directly influenced from the Romero zombie um, movies. You know, it, you know, yeah. takes over and, and he came back. Yeah, he came back to do uh, a bunch of like zombie movies in the 2000s, uh, Land of the Dead, Diary of the Dead, Survival of the Dead. Uh, none of them are really uh, at the same level as his early stuff, but it was nice to see him come back to you know what he's known for. A lot of people really, really love, like his movies. Um, there was a bunch of like, you know, a ca- cannibalism has always been a thing in horror movies. Yeah. You know, who who would have guessed? Uh, but you had movies like uh, a movie about Jeffrey Dahmer. You had The Wrong Turn. I believe there were a couple of movies in that franchise. Um, uh, stuff like that. Wait, wait, uh, Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> that was back in the day. We didn't even get yeah, we into forgot that. About that. But yeah. that was that movie. I uh, talk about controversial. A lot of the controversial movies. Uh, are within the horror genre or with or rely in the subgenre yeah. area somewhere like Cannibal Holocaust which is a movie that's been banned in a bunch of different countries because people think it's real it's really graphic it's i haven't seen it but it's really graphic and they do things in those movies that are not stuff you couldn't really get away with now like they really kill animals yeah, and yeah. stuff like that and you know it's really disturbing type stuff so now we're into 2010s and this is where we get kind of the same the same carryover with a lot of um a lot of remakes uh remake a lot of remakes the 2010s where we get to the remakes nightmare on elm street they remade the crazies they remade i spit on your grave which was a movie that came out i believe in the 60s which was super controversial uh they remade don't be afraid of the dark fright night from the 80s they remade maniac poltergeist which we forgot to mention in the 80s that may or may not the original may or may not been directed by toby hooper <laughs> uh, a lot of people mm. believe that uh steven spielberg actually directed Who, it. <laughs> I, I don't we uh, don't know we don't know and then carrie ended up getting a readaptation in 2013 um, they just they just won't let these movies go <laughs> they just and then like friday the, friday the 13th got another one Evil Dead got got kind of a remake in 2013 by Fetty Alvarez, which I actually yeah, really, I like really that liked. one. Yeah, I think it's super underrated. Um, and we're into kind of uh, other other stuff is popping up. These all these movies are probably movies you've heard of. Cabin in the Woods, You're Next. Um, you know, The Babadook is a movie that came out. A yeah, few I was going to say. I was going to say there's been of kind of a recent uh, upswing in in the horror anthology. You know, um, where there's... Yeah, and these are all kind of part of a, a renaissance within the horror genre that's happened over the last... Maybe four know, or five years. Eight years or so. Yeah, I, I, I'd spread it out a little earlier, but that's Yeah, just, I was going to say, kinda, I, I was gonna say you know, like, it kind of, for me, started with The Conjuring, which was, what, about four mm. years ago, you know? Uh, let me... I want to say The Conjuring came out 2013. That's just... Yes, 2013. So that's five years I ago. Five good. years ago. 
Yeah. So so like yeah. when the Conjuring, Conjuring came out, I think it really was an announcement of of you know I mean of course like I said James Wan had done Saul, but that was in early two thousands, and then when we got he finally got back around you know he'd done a slew of other horror films like Dead Silence and and um I think Insidious Insidious you know and so and people liked that movie, but when he did The Conjuring, I think it really I, it, it got into the mainstream. I think people were really really you know and it was a, of course a throwback to them you know, possession movies of the seventies, you know, and I I think with that one from there, I think there was kind of a resurgence, a slow one, but I think from there it really started, there started to be more, some new filmmakers that came in, whether it be the Fetty Alvarez, uh, or, um, you know, we had, uh, the movie that just came out, what, two years ago, Don't Breathe, um, was a Mm -hmm. big deal, which was, was that Fetty, that's Fetty Alvarez, um, that is also Fetty yeah, Alvarez, so had, uh, but you also yeah. had like, you also had like Lights Out, which is uh, David F. Sandberg, who's now uh, working on the new Aquaman movie that's coming out. Um, you had and you had other, fi- you had other films throughout. Um, I kind of want to just shove this in right here. Please don't Definitely. mind. Um, where you had other films throughout the horror genre that were more uh, artistic, more yeah. psych, art, more art house, art, uh, art, art, art house types. <laughs> surrealism films the films like from people like you know louis Buñuel is a you know a bit in that area but definitely people like david lynch david lynch is one of my favorite filmmakers of all time uh his movies like Eraserhead and mulholland drive um and movies like lost highway and even uh to an extent um uh, the movie uh, Twin Peaks to a certain extent definitely horror as well that's more on the TV side of things but these movies are very artsy they're very amazingly well crafted they're super um, cerebral super um, cerebral uh, but auteur auteur type films and we've seen a couple of those pop up once again over the last couple of years Uh, specifically uh, films like uh, The Witch by Robert Eggers is one that is very much in that category Um, they're more they're they're the more atmospheric like, than they are about you know telling some like there's no specific you know antagonist that you're you know you, that you don't really know if is there or not. It's more about the psychology of these these characters and the the dread yeah. that's being built up through the movie. And you get a like a film like uh, Darren Aronofsky's Black Swan is is kind of is is very you know a horror type film you get uh, under the skin which yeah. was just an incredible movie that by jonathan glazer from it, a few years it ago it comes at night it um, comes at night came out it comes yeah. at night that even movies like um Heredi- hereditary um, um, you know just came out yeah hereditary uh mother another aronofsky film um even something like the neon demon by nicholas winding refn is 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 horror it's crazy. It, it, his movies, for me, similar to David Lynch, don't really have a set genre because they're so unique and so interesting that you that you just have to experience them for yourself. Yeah, and you could you could also put uh, some of what, it, what it, uh, I'm trying to think of the director's name, but uh, the guy that did Green Room, Green Room, and Blue Ruin, like a son, son oh, uh, Jer- yeah, Jeremy Sonier. Yeah, um, Green Room is another film that's maybe not entirely horror. But it, but you can call it. Horror I mean, fa- I mean, the, this, I think it yeah, fits the scenario in. of this this band that goes to play this gig that, that then gets you know stuck inside this bar full of like neo Nazis. <laughs> I mean, it's like that's that's horrific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 
It is. It, it, it is. It is a thriller. And, and, and this director Definitely. obviously likes you know gore, and you know his movies are very violent and very bloody. So that's also an element of horror films that we, you know, cherish. <laughs> yeah, and, and what is interesting is what you. I don't mean to get off of that kind of track, man, but you also see certain trends kind of dissipate or don't become as popular anymore. Uh, like we were talking about the found footage genre really, you know, started in the, you know, 1999 with Blair Witch and then made its way, but up, but right now, it's not a very popular genre Yeah, I mean, anymore. it, it kind of... It's something that's kind of died off. It phased off. out with Paranormal Activity. I mean, Paranormal Activity yeah. uh, came out and was a big deal, and then they did, like, way too many sequels, and then it, now nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, essentially, that's essentially, what Essentially, it should have st- stopped pe- probably after the first one. <laughs> Yeah, it kind of peaked. Yeah, kind of peaked in two thousand and seven, then kind of just petered yeah. out now. Uh, but all of the genres that we've talked about—the slasher genre, um, you know, the sci-fi horror, the action horror—all these types of different horror genres are still alive and well today. They're still going. They're still making giant monster movies like Godzilla. They came out with so many Godzilla movies from 1954 up until now that I can't keep count of all no. of them. They made Japanese they made Japanese ones. Uh, the United States, uh, I mean, uh, America tried to make their own uh, Godzilla movies with Godzilla 98. Don't, don't bring, uh, that's uh, not a Godzilla movie. Uh, it's so bad, it's not a Godzilla <laughs> movie, but now they're doing Godzilla movies again. They're making a whole Godzilla connected world with King Kong and it's stuff. pretty awesome. I mean, like, all of these, all of these stuff just d- d- never dies. It just, no, just I mean, stays here forever I mean, because I think there's a thing about horror movies, and, and it kind of delves into you know maybe talking about what what horror means to us. You know, like you know, I think there's the universal thing of the the cathartic feeling you get when you're scared, or, or you know, which if we're being honest with ourselves, do we really ever get scared movies? No, but you know, because I can't I can't put myself in that real in in a fake reality and actually feel scared. Now there are times where I do get tense. And like get on the edge of my seat, but do I really feel f- real fear? No, but for a lot of people, they do. You know, they get really into something like that. They see the images, and it scares them. And that's something I think people like. You know, it's like going on a roller coaster. You know, you liked that feeling of of like your butterflies in your stomach, or you know, it it really um, is something that people love. I mean, these movies are being made for nothing, and they make hundreds of millions of dollars, and and right. it's for a reason because people like to be scared or they like to they like to be scared and then suddenly look over at their friend and laugh about being scared like it's 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 one of the genres that's usually the most underestimated when it comes to like quality but it's like i said before subjective it's horror is one of them genres where even if it's bad doesn't mean it isn't good you know (laughs) right it's very interesting you mentioned that because it's very much in line with what alfred hitchcock said in an interview in the early 1970s, I can't remember what show it was, but he basically mentioned like he, he I, I I'm just paraphrasing it because I can't remember it exactly, but like he, you know the interviewer he told the interviewee the interviewer that uh, you know people like to go to the movies because you know how many times you ever heard that someone likes to have a good cry yeah. right and then he would say like people like to go to my movies because they want to have a good scream basically that's what it is it's the thrill of the horror genre that is that is kept it alive over all these decades and all these years yeah. and has the quality fluctuated up and down of course and that's happened pretty much throughout any main genre of film there are good movies within it there are bad movies within it but yet again like steven said 
it's very subjective based off of your personal preference. And granted, of course, certain movies are just not really well made or, or whatever, but those are all analytical, critical stuff that is a whole different discussion. It really all depends on who you are as a viewer. Yes. Yeah, and, and, and it's, you know, it's a genre that I, I, I continue to to fight with. You know, like, it's it's one of the ones where I do have a hard time wanting to check out all the new stuff because even with, you know, studios like Blumhouse, who I think have been very successful um, in the horror genre most recently, but they're not always the best movies. Uh, you know, they they put out something for a couple million dollars, and it makes a lot of money, but... The quality is missing for me personally, um, but they do also, you know, have done really well with, you know, they got the new Halloween coming out, which, you know, another remake, but the early reviews seem pretty good. So, yeah, yeah, I was like, I mean, the one, the new Halloween is actually a continuation of the Halloween genre just completely negating all of the sequels <laughs> and doing that's that. Becoming an, which that's becoming is a new kinda... thing now. Yeah. The, the. Yeah, that's becoming a new not thing. the reboot, but like the the getting rid of the history, uh, like kind of re- a refresh of like sequels. It's like a refresh instead of a reboot. Yeah, it's not not even a refresh. They're just like, okay, we're negating all the bad stuff and we're starting from a place that was that, that was good that we want to start well, from. They're starting where you know, they're, they're starting do- with the original where where it, it, it's the birth of its the idea, you know, where it it was at its right. best. And they're starting for where it was at its best and starting over again. Um, and they're doing the they're doing the same thing with the Terminator franchise, where they're basically going to just start uh, their new movie that they're coming out with uh, is going to negate three, negate salvation, negate that Genesis thing we got a Genesis, few years ago, and just start, yeah, yeah, uh, and just start off with. Uh, uh, Judgment Day, uh, Terminator Two, Judgment Day, and Terminator in and of itself, I think, is kind of a horror movie. Oh, the, well, the, fir- well. the first one's a slasher. The first one, the first yeah, one's a slasher. The first one, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got you have a futuristic robot that comes from the future and that wants to kill you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it sounds pretty horrific. It's pretty to awesome. Me. I love that movie. Uh, oh, that movie's awesome. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, there I are... think we've uh, I think we've covered it pretty good, man. I mean, I we've I, covered a lot, and there it's something I kind of also want to mention is. And I just want to mention it just because we've co- we we've got to cover it is there are lighter horror type L- type movies, mm-hmm. and I'm specifically talking about um, uh, Tim Burton. Yeah, Tim Burton I think introduced horror to a whole generation of people with movies like um, uh, Beetlejuice, uh, Edward Scissorhands. Um, you know, stuff like that is, I, you know, even Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. Sleepy Hollow is another one. And these are kind of like lighter, more gothic type. Yeah, we fa- horror family films. horror. They're like family horror movies. They're like you said, gothic is a subgenre of horror, like gothic family horror movies with Corpse Bride. And you, and, yeah, yeah. And the, Corpse Bride is another one, but also like fantasy horror. I think Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, I think uh, I think about his movies, Pan's Labyrinth, um, Chronos, uh, Chronos. Uh, the other movie he did, uh, The Devil's Backbone, Backbone yeah. is another one. Uh, even Hellboy. Hellboy. Uh, I, I, I mean, Hellboy is is kind of based, is is an adaptation of a of a horror comic. Horror comics are getting a lot more adaptations now into movies or TV like series. Preacher. Um, yeah. And like yeah. yeah, and also I want to mention um, Guillermo del Toro's most recent movie is uh, uh, Shape of Water. Yeah, Shape of Water, which is a mesh of Creature from the Black Lagoon. 
which is a classic universal monster and a Douglas Sirk romance, uh, melodrama romance film. So you see the meshing of those genres uh, coming together and winning Best Picture. Yeah, I mean, it, which is crazy not, to me. It's not the traditional, you know, what I think a lot of people think about as horror, but it, I mean, it is. I mean, it's it's got a lot of the elements, and, and some of the moments of the film are very can be very scary, you know. Um, but it's not inherently. It's I would say they're not. They don't. They're not. They're more secondary horror movies than they are frontier horror films. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I mean, they're they're more. They have horror elements within them, but that's not their primary concern. Yeah. Like the Shape of Water at its center is a romance yeah. movie, is a romantic drama between you know a creature from the Black Lagoon and uh, and a mute woman. So it's it, it and it just has to ha- happens to have horror elements within it. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, horror is a, a genre as we said. It's very vast, and uh, I you know I. I like to give them a chance if I can, man. I mean, I can't see everything, but uh, I'm always interested, especially with these new uh, run of horror films like The Witch. Um, these more, these more, you know, you know, kind of as we call art horror. I'm, I'm very interested in A24 has been putting a lot of stuff out like that, um, and so anytime they put out something, I'm interested. But I think this is a good place to stop. I think we really del- delved in into a lot of this, covered a lot of it, and of course. Down the road, we'll probably be covering these some of these these filmmakers and, and films in more in more you know focused episodes to, to to really give you more information on them. But uh, I think if you're somebody that kind of wants to know the the ups and downs of horror, I think this episode kind of gives you that uh, gives you a, a good little overview. But I think we're gonna stop there. And uh, with that, uh, Andrew, where can we find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Capzilla06 as well as my YouTube channel, Capzilla Productions. And you can find me, uh, Facebook, Stephen Billings. You can also find uh, me on Instagram, YouTube, yeah, Cinema Discovery Project. Please like, share this episode, uh, check out our past episodes, like and share them. Um, please you know, go to the iTunes, you know, give us a rating. We need the ra- rating's always good. I like to know what's going on, how you guys feel about the show. Leave some comments. If we're doing a good job, let us know, please. If we're doing a bad job... Let us know. Be nice, though. Don't 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 yell at me. And um, we'll see you on the next one, guys. Uh, I think we might do something a little focused, more focused on the next episode. I haven't decided yet, but we're probably going to do another horror-themed next episode because we'll be right up behind Halloween. So that'll be it for this episode. And uh, guys, keep watching the movies. I know I will. <laughs>